Barry Slatter is a great friend of Australia. Although English, he has been here many times, in excess of 30, almost 40. I met Barry just recently at a natural resources session at the Goulburn Valley University of the Third Age. A few days later I called him and we got to talk briefly about climate change. His love affair with Australia, if I can be bold enough to call it that, began when he came here on a teaching exchange project and ended up at Dukey College about 30 k's east of Shepparton in northern Victoria. I first heard Barry speak at a session at the Goulburn Valley University of the Third Age. Barry took us back centuries to talk about agriculture, how it's developed and how we got to where we are today. And during that time, he got to talk briefly at least about climate change and I figured It'd be wonderful to talk with Barry. And so a few days later, I got to talk with him on the phone. We'll have some formalities first, then we'll listen to our chat with Barry. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean. It's so great to have you on board. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to elders, past, present and emerging. This podcast is proudly associated with the Mark Spencer published Climactic Collective. The collective can be found at climactic.fm. Music for this podcast comes courtesy of the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World, and you can find a link for that group in the show notes. I trust you'll enjoy this episode of Climate Conversations and should that be the case, please feel free to share it with your friends. The climate crisis is so serious it needs your undivided attention and so your attention would be appreciated for this podcast. I just need to know who you are, Barry. Can you tell me what's your background? I'm Barry Slatter. I studied agriculture at university, but then later on I retrained as a surveyor, a charter surveyor, who in England there's a lot of law dealing with land ownership and land management. And I mostly uh, train practicing surveyors, updating them on what sort of new legislation and things like that. And currently on the the changes that are coming into agriculture in the UK. So you're English, aren't you, Barry, the way I understand it, and you spend some time here in Australia? I'm English, but I've, this is my 38th visit to Australia. Why do you come here so often, Barry? Well, we like it. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. <laughs> Barry, tell me about climate change. When did that whole issue cross your horizon? Well, what's happened is... Since the UK left the common agricultural policy, they are free to set their own agricultural agenda. And this has come at a time where, uh, you know, we had the COP26 climate change and we've been, in legislation in the UK, is that we must cut emissions very dramatically. And agriculture is the one or one of the few industries where it is quite achievable to go to to zero or minus because uh, agricultural and soils and growing crops and trees 
have an ability, obviously, to store a lot of carbon. And so the UK government, having decided that they now can set their own agenda, they have made that one of the major issues um, of how we, they have this policy of public, they're going to carry on paying some subsidy, but not as much, but they would only like to pay the subsidy where they're getting benefit. And one of the benefits is to reduce carbon reduce carbon emissions, and also increase carbon sequestration into soils and by growing trees as big push to increase the area of trees in the UK. And also to recognize that the, the cash benefit, for example, I mean, it doesn't apply much in the UK, but certainly in Australia, that if you have shading from trees, that reduces your air conditioning bill. So that we, in the world, more energy or more carbon is emitted emitted from air conditioning than is from heating. We tend to think of heating in the northern hemisphere. But more is, I think, I'm pretty certain more is emitted from from um, air conditioning. So shading um, and things like that, uh, the benefits of other benefits apart from just carbon, um, but noise, air cleans up air whole lot of benefits of how we manage the environment. Barry, you studied for a while at Dookie College in Shepparton, didn't you? Yes, we took, we did a teaching exchange. I was lecturing at the time in an English college, and we did an exchange with Dookie. So what did you lecture in at Dookie? Mostly sort of farm management, but also um, communications, things with different courses. Um, over the years, I've done it more than one year. So farming is a, a significant part of our carbon emissions. So what do you think is the main thing that farmers can do to lower their emissions? Well, well carbon farming obviously emits carbon in a number of ways, obviously just from burning fuel in tractors, um, also in, in chemicals, particularly in fertiliser. Um, urea is, uh, is quite a big emitter of carbon and so cropping for example if you grow beans then you can cut out you know and other legumes that can reduce your um, need for, for nitrogen fertilizer and that cuts your emissions um, how much we spend on cultivations um, direct drilling um, compared with uh, cultivations cultivating soils several times obviously uses less diesel, but also the less we disturb the soil, the carbon that's been captured in the roots from one crop, more of it is, is retained in the soil. Plowing it and opening opening up the soil, well, there's a lot of plowing in Australia, but in England there's quite a lot of plowing, and opening up the soil allows the carbon to be oxidised um, and therefore emitted, and that's lost. Whereas if you can just disturb the soil very little, the carbon from one year's roots tend to be retained. So that is why, is that why direct drilling is very popular? Direct drilling is becoming more popular because partly because it's it's quicker and you've expended less fuel. Remember, all these things are money. You know, fuel is money and fuel's got very expensive. Um, Diesel used to be dirt cheap. 
but but now it is not. Uh, and tractors burn a lot. You know, you get a big old tractor that, that you know, gets through the diesel pretty fast. So the less we do that, and certainly in England, where people are, there is more ploughing, um, there you people are using significant amounts of diesel for ploughing. So if you stop ploughing and stop the cultivations that follow on from that and just direct drill, that has cut your fuel usage quite a lot. What's the difference between the carbon, the acceptance of climate change in the UK and the acceptance in here in Australia? I think Australia has a problem in that because of coal exports being so significant, uh, for Australia's always done very well on exporting minerals and coal is a significant part of their exports. In England, um, there is, I think, a, a, I think we are further along, um, although it's always what people say and what people do. <laughs> but for example, um, we pretty well have got rid of burning any coal. I think there might be one or two coal-fired power stations. We do burn some gas for that, but we do have, and we've, it, a lot depends You've got to depends on what what your situation is, uh, because the UK is an island, and we've got some shallow seas around us, which uh, makes it quite easy to build offshore wind turbines. Um, and there's a big hundreds and hundreds of those in the North Sea, and we will on certain days in the summer we will have all our energy, all our electricity from renewables. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yes. Um, gas, in, in the UK, agriculture emits about 10% of our emissions of carbon. But domestic heating, gas-fired boilers, which are, which are the most common form of heating in the UK, they emit about 30% of our, our carbon. And so um, cutting that out. Now, if you think about it, heating a house, all you've got, think of it like a water tank, Heat is escaping through the walls, and you're just pouring heat in, and, and it's leaking out. If you stop the leaks, um, you, you wouldn't need so much energy. So insulation, uh, and that there's a big move and grants to improve insulation in buildings. So what, what is the most significant difference you see between the UK and Australia with regard to climate change? I think in some ways in Australia, the impact is perhaps more obvious. I mean, you've only got Lismore, Gympie, places like that to see the effect. And remember, climate change doesn't, isn't just quitting getting hotter. It's changing weather patterns. Uh, you warm the sea up and that changes, um, you know, weather patterns. And therefore, what you do get is with, we do get this in the UK. As you, your air warms, it can take up more, it's got more energy, it can hold more water. And what we get now is very intense rainfall, flash flooding. Um, storms where the storm would have, you would have had half an inch of rain, you might have an inch of rain. Uh, and so you get places flood suddenly, which you know, they're not usually a place that has ever flooded in the past. So we do get that, and that is quite a noticeable effect. Um, of that and, and there's quite a lot of effort in in managing uh river flows 
to, to reduce flooding. Barry, do you do anything personally to counteract climate change? Like, are you involved in the organisations or...? No, only in the sense I influence um, other surveyors who in turn influence their clients. And it's, it is this general acceptance. I mean, for example, in England, no, if you watch television, nobody's advertising uh, their latest model petrol car. All the, all the car manufacturers are onto electric or at least hybrid. And whether that's the right thing, um, possibly we ought to be going to hydrogen. All these things have implications because of the, the rare earths you need for, for electric, the, the inefficiencies of generating hydrogen. But hydrogen is a way of storing um, solar off, or, you know. You, you, solar has a problem, you, you have it during the day. Wind you have wind is obviously good at night, but not on the days the wind doesn't blow, which does happen occasionally, but not. Um, there, there, there is obviously we 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 are into nuclear. We do have nuclear power stations, and we are building. We will be building two new ones. One's half built, and one's just about to start. What, nuclear power Another, stations yeah. in England, and they, and they will do perhaps six or seven percent, but they're very good at. You can bring them on stream very quickly. Mm, yeah. It's a wit drops. You you need some sort of backup for, for, with renewables. Barry, predictions can be the work of the devil, but are you prepared to say where we're headed with climate change? Uh, we're, we're going in the right direction, but we'll probably do it a bit too slowly. Uh, and we won't. It, it's one of those things, if you. It's like a. A journey. If you increased your average speed slightly from the start, you'd be you get there without having to rush at the end. And I think that probably the way we're going, we're going to have a bit of a rush later on. And we'll, you know, things that we could do. The sooner you start doing things, the the better. So you think we've left it left it a little too late? We probably are leaving it too late. We've known about it for some years now haven't we um and we know we know about it from the sense that we know what the 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 reasons for it and we know that since 1800 we've burnt lots of fossil fuel and since second world war brought, built you know even faster uh, and so it, it is you know it's that factor you you change the atmosphere and it does just warm it up a little bit we're only talking about very small differences, but but climate is very subtle. Yeah, that's the difficult part to convince people about. Like we're only talking one or two degrees, and it can have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, mm. and that changes, and it it's because they get magnified by changing weather patterns. Yeah. You know that the rainfall. I mean, we have in England sort of over, well, you have in Australia the difference between rainfall, say at Catandra, or the rainfall at Dukey is an inch or so. And that has an effect on crops. Mm, yeah. You know. Uh, and so, you know, quite small, subtle differences, um, things. But, you know, in, in you know, it's quite noticeable in Australia. Um, okay, distances are greater, so people had to drive further. Um, but, you know, and, and modern cars are an awful lot more efficient than older, you know. The old Falcon wasn't exactly a, um, and Commodores, they weren't exactly fuel efficient, were they, mm. compared with the modern car. 
And the same you can see with planes. Modern planes burn fractionally the amount of fuel for every mile they fly. Mm. So we're sitting there. But um, it is a question of, with infrastructure, things like housing, if you build a new house, then you can, it, it, it's, got, it's not too difficult to make it much more energy efficient. Yeah. Um, if you've got an old house, then it becomes much more of an upheaval. The retrofitting is quite a challenge, or can be, isn't it? Yeah. Can be, yes. I mean, it varies a lot, you know, on what the building is. Some buildings you can clad on the outside, other buildings you can clad on the inside, but it becomes quite a, a major job compared with building a, a, a slightly more efficient house in the first place, which is, you see, you can't in England, for example, build a house without double glazing. You can't. Um, and, no, and all new houses will have double glazing and have quite high level of thermal efficiency in their walls. Thank you, Barry. I enjoyed our chat. And thank you so much for coming along to U3A in Shepparton. Climate Conversations is published with the support of the Mark Spencer-published Climactic Collective. And it's just one of more than 20 podcasts making up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcasts can be found at climactic.fm. Music for Climate Conversations is from the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World. You can find a link to that group in the episode notes. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me. But you could help with the questions. And if there is something specific that needs addressing, but the question is not being asked of whom it should be asked, please make a suggestion and send it to r.mclean, the number seven, at icloud.com. Earlier episodes of Climate Conversations can be found at the Climactic website. Simply search for climactic.fm. Go to the Climate Conversations artwork, click on that, and there you will find all the earlier episodes. Beyond that, and in all this climate chaos, remember just a few things. Put your faith in genuine climate science. Also, action is the best antidote to despair. And that, I must add, is one of the drivers of this podcast. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That ends this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care. Thank you.